back to another edition of Brightcast by Shipwright. In this uh, Bahamas episode number four, we're going to talk about the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Dorian, the rescue operations, and uh, Holly's work with World Central Kitchen. Mine a little bit with them. Also, the work I did helping to get some of the students up to the United States to continue their education after the northern campus was destroyed. So we are glad you're here. Welcome aboard. If you like the podcast, please let your friends know. Uh, Subscribe, if you would, please. And uh, thanks for being here. Welcome aboard. So in this episode, we're going to do things a little bit different. Uh, We're going to interview each other. Holly was working at World Central Kitchen, and I was uh, doing some things at the university. So we were trying to figure out, all right, who goes first? So what we have is we've got the coin toss. And I reached into a bag thinking I was going to get like a Bahamian quarter, but instead I've got a Canadian loony. And for those of you that don't know, that's a coin, which is a one one Canadian dollar. On one side is uh, a loon. It's actually quite pretty. Of course, the Canadians are so polite and they're so nice. We love going to Canada. Anyway, so there's the loon on one side. That's going to be tails because the loon's got tail. And on the head, oh, look, it's Queen Mum. Okay. Right. All right. I'm I'm going to flip. You're going to call. Heads or tails? Okay. Call. Tails. It is I'm tails. tails. So, so what does that mean? It means you interview me? I'm going to interview you. Okay. I'm All right. going to be so interviewed. So here we go. All right. So when we last left our heroes. Uh, you <laughs> Quivering <and> I, in <laughs> after the massive hurricane. You, you and I were uh, doing some volunteer work at World Central Kitchen. Yes. And you uh, you split off from the pack because you're far more talented and they recognize your talents. So tell us, uh, I want to hear about uh, how things evolved when we were at Atlantis. And then I want you to also talk a lot about, because you got to do the cool stuff. Yeah. You got so, to go well, on Hilo. Yeah. Go. So, okay. So, yeah, I was there. Um, you know, we started volunteering. I guess it was about a week after the hurricane that we actually got on board with them you know we went down to atlantis and it was it was a beehive of activity and um as we said in the previous episodes we were doing the silverware and stuff and then i went and was talking um with josh and with tim the two who were in charge of operations and um and they said yeah come on come on back you know i told them i could volunteer uh multiple times yeah, I essentially just started, you know, went went back again and again and again. And it became a full-time volunteering job for me. I was there, I ended up being there, you know, 10 hours a day at least, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and you had people coming volunteering that were staying yeah, at Atlantis? And yeah, people so it in? was, there were people that were from all over the U.S. and all over the world that came in to help to volunteer, that answered the call of volunteerism. There were tourists who were staying in Atlantis who happened to be there through the hurricane and who felt like they wanted to do something and found out that World Central Kitchen was there. And so they came in and, and, you know, so you had families who were coming in, um, 
and you know mom dad and some some kids and it was like okay as long as you know we could put everybody to work doing something there was massive amounts we had the chefs chefs in the kitchen cooking massive amounts of food we had people down in another area that were making salads galore we also were still making sandwiches and stuff so lots of different food and lots of timing logistics so you know at first i got in and i was helping in the kitchen with doing food prep and then also just once the food is then prepared the way we were doing it is putting it in these large um, hotel pans, which served 30 people per, mm-hmm. per pan, and they were aluminum. And we would wrap them up and put the lids on them and then put them in these special cambros where you could stack, uh, gosh, I forgot now, I think it was six six pans mm-hmm. in each cambro, and that would keep them hot for hours. It was like, Yeah, it was like an insulated cooler type thing, mm-hmm. like those foam... You know, you see those white styrofoam coolers that you can get mm-hmm. buy for cheap. It was like that, but they're much more heavy duty and they're black um, with special doors on them. And they were basically being brought out. Um, we had drivers standing by to pick up the food and then get it shipped out to the various shelters in Nassau, but also to the helicopters that were then taking the food over to... Um, various drop points on many islands and that was interesting because they were you know right after the hurricane happened like you had said in the other episode like you know you might have do-gooders who want to get their boats over and bring them to the island but there might be not be a dock or a place for them to land their boat but not only that but you have tons of floating debris in the Mm -hmm. water that now presents a a risk to your your boat navigation Um, right and so but what what they did is they um, hired helicopters and they hired helicopters. They got an amphibious vehicle, <laughs> which was cool. I didn't actually see it firsthand, but I saw it on social media that could go between the islands um, in the water on the land. That was really neat. And they also chartered a research vessel, um, a big yacht, and I can't remember the name of it, but they had chartered that and they had stationed that um off of i think that was off of abaco Mm -hmm. and and so they were doing stuff out of there in the first few days was that food delivery or food Um, preparation that that in the in the in the boat in the yacht i'm not exactly sure how that i think they just loaded it up with supplies and stuff and then also they were flying. I understand that one of the helicopters actually was landing on that vessel. What? And I think that was because there was so much debris. Before they could clear debris on land, they were yeah. landing on that vessel so that they could get onto the land. Um, so for the listeners, uh, you know, there's all this food being prepared by yep. these fantastic chefs. And then, of course, that, that it's not just enough to depra- prepare the food. You had to distribute it, which you're yep. talking about. Yep. So there were two main, as I recall, two main... Recipients. There were the the shelters on in Nassau, uh-huh. and then there were the helicopter stuff. Yeah. So talk to me more. Let's go into helicopter because you know delivering food by helicopters is cool. So yeah. tell me about because you got to go ride in helicopters. I I didn't. I I did get to ride in it after a couple weeks. Um, I was able to go up and to help with the pilot who you know he would fly and then he would you know one of us would were able to go in with him and then we would we were able to you know basically we would load up the helicopters with as much 
food as we possibly could while keeping underweight. And that's one thing that I ended up getting, you know, I started in the kitchen with the food and then I got sort of transferred to, to making sure the food was getting out the door to the drivers to where it needed to go in a timely fashion. And that was, that was a challenge logistically doing that. And then I got moved to then also being in charge of like making, you know, the helicopter logistics. And, um, so my, my job there was ever evolving, which was very cool. And I loved that aspect. And then with the helicopters, I mean, we would need to make sure, you know, we had enough food to get to get where it needed to go, you had to coordinate with the pilots um, who's going where and make sure you have the timing right so that the drivers could get to the helicopter pad on time. My philosophy was always, I want our drivers waiting for the helicopters. I don't want the helicopters waiting for us. And so make sure the food is in the vans, ready to go, sitting at the helicopter pad so that it could get loaded up and take off again because the helicopters were limited time of flight. They and expensive to fly. Expensive to fly. And they needed to get back to Nassau before dusk dark, because yeah. they couldn't they couldn't land after dark. So, so there who were, were the helicopter pilots? So, so, well, Tell us about some well, of your flights. So we, so we had some really cool flights. So um, there were multi, four, four helicopter pilots that we were dealing with. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was interesting. I did get to go on one, and I know that's the, the meat and potatoes that you're, you want me to get to. And it was, it was fascinating being on the flights. Fascinating and also, like, uh, awe-inspiring. I just remember being on in the helicopter. It was my first time in a helicopter. And sitting there with the headphones on and flying over the islands and just... Number one, seeing the devastation firsthand and seeing all the blue tarps on the homes and uh, everything down and marinas where boats had been floating and now all of the boats were up on land and tossed around like, you know, people who have kids who when their kids take their box of Legos, to- Legos or, <laughs> to- or cars, toy cars and just dump them in the pile. That's how it looked in the air with boats, and it was it was weird to see. Um, and we landed in the middle of baseball fields, you know, that had been cleared of debris, um, in the middle of just small small neighborhoods where there happened to not be a home, and you know there were homes all around. But we would land, we would land, and then the 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 locals would hear us land, and they would come in their whatever they had for a vehicle. There were beat up vehicles that were trashed from the storms um, and they would come and to get the food and were so thankful f- to us. It, it was, it, I, I was speechless for the majority of that day that I was, did that, those helicopter drops. I, I it was so you did overwhelming. A number of them. I did, well, I just did the one day. I was only in the helicopter one day. Oh, I thought you were in the helicopters more days than that. No. no, well, that was just one day. I we I t- we talked about going more days, but oh. 
because of the logistics of the way all things... this time I've been jealous of you flying the helos around all day and it was only one day it was one day I did it one day did I go a second day I think you did I'm trying to maybe I, I went think a second you did. day I can't remember now but it, it's it, it, honestly all of those days melded together it was you so you did do it multiple because you came back one time from going to Man of War Key and you brought me the photo when you got out of the one house half of it was totally destroyed yes. the other half because you know it's like split open and yeah. the other half it was like nothing there were still books. books. There were still books on the shelves. In perfect condition. Yeah, they. Were, I remember seeing that and and being like, "How are there still books on that shelf? On those shelves? On that wall? Yet the wall on the other side is missing. There is no wall. Yeah. The roof is gone. But there's still books on the shelves. It's just the way the hurricane went. So what I'd like to do is, uh, we're gonna spend more time in the episode after this because there there was a transition period here where there was the immediate need for getting food up to the islands. But then World yeah. Central Kitchen started setting up field kitchens up there. Yes. And you transitioned. Yes. And yeah, and yeah, like I said, like it was ever evolving. And there was the field ch kitchens that were set up in Freeport and in Abaco. Um, and those guys, they worked under, I mean, those of us who were in Nassau were lucky enough to work in Atlantis in like a real kitchen with air conditioning and all everything you need. In in Abaco, especially, they in Marsh Harbor, they they literally set up in a parking lot and then erected huge tents like um what do you call it? like circ not a circus tent, but like an event tent for a wedding or whatever. And then brought in the big like paella pans, the fire that mm. you burn, you you cook from the paella pans. And Desalinate, they, desalinization, yep. generators Water. for electricity. Like they they literally had to build a kitchen out of nothing. And this is what's incredible about them, and this is why they're such an amazing organization. World it's Central like, Kitchen. Yeah, they the, the they come in and will just do whatever needs to be done. And, and Chef Jose is not the kind of guy who wants to sit around and discuss, how, gee, how are we going to do it? It's like, look, we just need to do this, so let's figure out how we're going to do it and let's get it done. And, and it was amazing to see them or cook out of field kitchens like this for, and, it, and for months. Operating out of those field kitchens where it's, you're cooking under the hot Caribbean sun and it was, and they, the people that were, that were volunteering there and the workers from World Central Kitchen that were there were living in, in conditions where there was still no electricity, you know, and they didn't, they, there were no showers, mm. like they were bathing in the ocean or not bathing at all. Well, they and, were living the truth. That the native Bahamians who had yep. been impacted were living. Yep. So this yep. was, you know, everyone was on the same level yep. here. Yep. Yeah, it was um, quite the undertaking. So and let's 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 wrap up just this initial part. Yeah. Uh, uh, because we're going to transition next to how the shelters took over your time. But do you want to give a shout out to our favorite Hilo? We did have. Um, I mean, the Hilo pilots were amazing. They were all great. Um, there all was, the Hilo pilots I know are slightly crazy. <laughs> but they were, there was the one that I dealt with the most, um, super nice guy and his, his sidekick. Um, we befriended and had some nice dinners with them, yeah. um, enjoyable dinners uh, outside of a volunteer. And that's the great thing about doing this volunteering and meeting so many people 
from everywhere, just getting, building relationships. You know, the whole purpose of your Fulbright is, or of a Fulbright is to build relationships with people from around the world. And that's exactly what I ended up doing yeah. with my, my side of, of things with my volunteerism, which I, I never anticipated when we left to go to the Bahamas, I never anticipated yeah. to, to meet as many people as I ended up meeting and, and still keep in touch with. Well, let's talk <laughs> about that because as you transitioned and you took over the kitchen and some of the Nassau operations as things uh, evolved, we'll talk about the relationships we built with some of the native Bahamians. Yeah. Yeah. Which we would have never had never, the opportunity to Never. I would have, we would have never met them otherwise. Okay, so this is the end of Holly's part. For and now. The, for now. Yeah, we're going to go back again. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, so I think we'll be able to do this. Yeah, we'll bounce around. So uh, next up is Holly interviewing me. Hey, everyone. Here's a quick word from Anchor.fm, which is one of my sponsors. They provide me the tools to keep this broadcast free. Thank you. Okay, so while I had my you know, busyness going on with my volunteering, um, with World Central Kitchen, you also had your stuff going on with the university because your Fulbright had now, you know, the trajectory of your life had changed by, by this hurricane. Um, and so I, you did some really great things. And so I want you to talk about what you did for and with the university, um, as a direct result of the hurricane. Sure. So as it said in earlier uh, episodes, you know, there were a number of waves that hit my Fulbright. Uh, the uh, loss of senior leadership at the university with the provost, with whom I had scoped out the work of my Fulbright, uh, no one kind of really knowing what to do with me. Uh, and then you're just still trying to figure out, you know, how we were going to reset our sales and uh, take a new tack, and within two weeks, Dorian hits. And, of course, the northern campus of the University of Bahamas, uh, on Grand Bahama, was really heavily damaged. Uh, the and, and the university down in, uh, in Nassau, you know, we got a little bit of damage, but it was more, you know, like a lot of some flooding and rain mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, but the whole country kind of came to a standstill for a while. And I remember the first thing the university did was we had a all staff faculty and staff meeting that the president of the University of Bahamas Rodney Smith pulled together and it was uh, a moving experience about uh, talking about how we needed to come together how we as a university needed to uh, respond to this uh, we did uh, the university did some fundraising. Uh, we were one of the first people to donate to it, uh, Holly and myself. Uh, but more than that, it was a deeply soulful that meeting, discussion. That meeting, meeting was. Yeah. That meeting was yeah, a soulful. Yeah, because I remember you coming home and saying how you were really like inspired by it because it was different than what you would really experience here in the U.S. So the Bahamians are as a people, if you will, broad brush painting of them, is uh, they are uh, deeply spiritual. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in the Bahamian constitution, it says they are a Christian nation. And uh, mm -hmm. ma making a joke here, it seems like every third person is a pastor or a minister. Yeah. But I do remember standing up and holding hands. We all held hands and prayed. 
Mm -hmm. uh, for the survivors, for those that passed. Uh, it was something I walked out of that going, mm. oh my God. And I'm going to post a video that one of uh, my colleagues uh, did as an appeal on Facebook. If you were following us back then, you would have seen it. But I'm going to put it on our uh, Facebook page because it's a... Um, it's a video. At any rate, so uh, we're all trying to figure out what can we do. And all of a sudden announced at that was that the uni uh, Hampton University in Virginia, where the president of the University of Bahamas, Rodney Smith, had previously worked at and had a relationship with, they made an announcement that all of the displaced students from the University of Bahamas North Campus on Grand Bahama were going to be given free room and board and tuition uh, for that semester. It actually turned out to be two semesters. But, you know, they said, send us your students. They can come here and complete their studies. It was an amazingly yeah. generous offer and it was a beautiful offer and and then you know another group of philanthropists associated with Hampton University kicked in and said you know we're going to cover the airfare on JetBlue. And how many students was it? Well you know that's an interesting comment because I started doing this list and I'll tell you why I was doing the list was but it turned out I read somewhere it was 45. I I think it was more than that but mm -hmm. uh 45 seems to be the number. So it was getting 45 of these young future leaders of the Bahamas up to the United States to continue their studies. Uh, and the university, Hampton University said, we'll take care of everything. Well, that was a, a lovely gesture, but here's a little bit of the reality is that these students are Bahamian citizens. In order to go to the United States uh, as a student, they have to get a student visa. Mm -hmm. And you can only do that through the embassy in Nassau. Nassau. <laughs> and, you know, this is not like one of those things like, listen, I'm going downtown, uh, uh, I'll pick up some groceries, and I'll right. stop by and get a student visa. Right. No, you have to go online. There's a process. You have to get an appointment with consular services. It is not... Uh, it is not a one-stop shop. Right. Because you're basically, you're traveling internationally from the Bahamas to the U.S. Just as if you're going from the U.S. to some other countries and you need a visa, it's, it's a process. Yeah, because you're going to be living there for more than just a visit. Right, right. right. Yeah. So it's a whole process. So back, yeah. now I'll backtrack a little bit because when I first got to the university, I went into the library and in the university library was a corner. It's called the American Corner. It was an office. It was set up. It was usually staffed by a uh, an employee of the, of the U.S. Embassy, a native Bahamian employee, uh, but it was never open. And I had mm -hmm. asked one of the uh, administrators, said, why is it open? And they said, ah, they haven't been there for a while. I said, well, who do you, I mean, we should have this open. I'm an American citizen here. I'm on a Fulbright. I, it's my job to represent the United States, you know, to increase uh, uh, awareness and create friendships and understanding. So that this is part of my job. And, you know, I said, well, we, we don't know who to talk to. Well, when I talked to the first public affairs officer, when Holly and I came down to look for property, her name was Penny. I don't have the permission to use her last name, but she said to me, uh, we met, we talked about things and she said, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be gone by the time you actually come down and start your, your, your Fulbright. And then the, a new guy came on, Daniel, Daniel D. He was great, but he was also brand new like me. And I was talking to him and he goes, well, we don't know who to talk to and at the university. And the university was like, well, we're not sure who to talk to. And I was like, well, here's his name. Here's his phone number. Mm -hmm. Give him a call. And uh, trying to get things moving. Well, so now here we are where we're in a real bind. We got to get these students their visas. And everybody at the university, well, we're not sure who to talk to. Right? We could use yeah, they didn't, yeah, they didn't know which direction to sort of go to. 
in-stepped ship. Right. So I, you with know, his n- with his flowing <laughs> red cape. Na- nature abhors abhors <laughs> a vacuum in my world. So I just jumped in, and uh, with my new friend Daniel D, who was the public affairs officer at the embassy, uh, he was great. The public affairs officer, officer yes, at the, at the embassy. He was great. I said, deal. "Here's the situation. You know, we got to get these kids up." Classes are going to start in a week. And, you know, he jumped into action. He goes, let me make some calls over to consular services. Uh, and so he did his thing behind, you know, the, the curtain. Uh, I was doing my thing with the university. He calls me up and says, I've got all of these slots uh, at the consular service reserved for the students, more than we're going to apply, so that the students had the option to choose. And so I passed that information on. Uh, the university got in touch with some of the, some of the kids because... After Dorian hit, you know, some of the people in Grand Bahama Abacos, they'd gotten boat and they went to Florida. Or they came down to Nassau. So we it was a bit they of They were trip. all over the place. And the there was no electricity. Cell phone service oh. was spotty. There was, there was no getting in touch with these students who had dispersed all over the place. I mean, nobody... You didn't know where a lot of them were. Right. Um, or if you knew where they were, it was still hard to get in touch with them. So it was... It was a chaotic time for everybody. And I will say, because you and I were talking about this, is and Rodney Smith said at the meeting we had, President Smith did, was that were it not for WhatsApp, and here's a plug for WhatsApp, WhatsApp, you should be a sponsor. (laughs) Uh, Were it not for WhatsApp, he said we would have been in deep trouble. Because, and I don't quite understand all of this, but when the phones weren't working, a, a, a data app like WhatsApp was, and that's yeah. how everybody was staying yeah. in in and, contact. And essentially, in the Bahamas, probably in other a lot of other countries too, um, WhatsApp is the main mode of communication. People don't use their regular cell phones to call. They they use the WhatsApp app. It's more reliable. That was the way. That was what we did in the Bahamas when um, you were on the boats. No, no, you, you and, and I. I. Oh, I see. Yeah, that, when I was on the boats, that was before WhatsApp. In fact, I didn't even have a cell phone back then. Were people, instead of cellulose, were people rolling on the sides? <laughs> no, but we had, there wasn't even Wi-Fi. We had to go and plug our computers in on the dock. And so anyways, that's, a, that's another story. But um, but yeah, no, when you and I were in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, WhatsApp. WhatsApp. WhatsApp was our main mode of communication. And so, and so like Thank Rodney you, said, yeah, like Rodney said, it was, um, had not been for that, it would have been much more yeah. difficult. But going back to what you did for the students, right. so you... Wait, this was a matter of a couple days, yeah. wasn't it? It was yeah. like two days yeah. that you managed to go from nobody knowing how how anybody was going to get these students to the U.S. and to to having an appointment for them and getting them in there mm-hmm. and gathered. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. to do something that quickly in the Bahamas. Uh, yeah, n- nothing yeah. happens that quickly. Yeah. I mean, we all know what island time is, and there's. I feel like had it not been for you, those kids would not have gotten up there as quickly. Well, as they there was did. certainly it a good was... team with the academic affairs office. Uh, they did a great job, and to make a long story short, <clears throat> students started checking in, getting their visa. The uni- the, the embassy in Nassau was fantastic. They really expedited. They understood the issue. They were fully supportive, uh, and. Here's a shout out to all of the staff at the U.S. Embassy in Nassau. You guys did a great job, and uh, I know you made a difference in a lot of people's lives. Mm. So there we go. We got the kids all going, and we started 
uh, getting him to the airport. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm stationed kind of at the airport for yeah. a couple of days. Your job was to like get them check, make sure they got right. They got there and they got on their flight. You can tell me because I'm the guy with the clipboard standing around working <laughs> they, with JetBlue. Yeah, working with JetBlue. I mean, JetBlue was was great because they flew them all up. Yeah. They took them. They took them in with open arms and. and so what I did was, you know, when at the people were checking in at the ticketing office, uh, I would go in. I introduced myself to them, and you know, there was only a few employees, so you get. I got to know them, and uh, I would just stand off. And when one of the students would come in, I'd make sure they got up to the right line. They had a dedicated line for these students to come in, which was wonderful. Yeah. And uh, if there was an issue, I'd get the wave over. I'd come over. I'd take care of whatever the issue was, mm-hmm. uh, and I got to meet a lot of the family members <clears throat> of the students and there was one and I'll tell you because we've said this I've said it a million times you know the nation of the Bahamas is just a small world so and I will also say if you want to get things done in the Bahamas you got to get a woman to do it I mean because they're the ones that get things done but, and but you got you got you got things done for the students <coughs> that's because I did that. what the ladies told me to do. <laughs> No, but but I, I'm kind of being half facetious. But you know, uh, if you've lived in the islands, and you know, I don't want to say it's a matriarchal society, but well, women women rule. Right, women rule the world, and and or you get to we should. <laughs> and you get to identify oh. pretty quickly who's in charge. And I remember this one woman came in, and I looked at her, and I could see her talking to her kids. She was on the phone with somebody because somebody in her family forgot passports. That poor sob, uh-huh. you know. So I could tell she was uh, she was a person who was used to being in charge. So I said to one of my colleagues, I said, "Well, who's that?" And she goes, "It's so and so." Well, it turns out she's the personal assistant, the prime minister. <laughs> so you know, well, you see, you could see right off the bat that she was. She oh was yeah, and own. she was great. So I went up and introduced myself to her and uh, talking about things and getting up, and she was being wonderful. She was th- thanking me for helping facilitate yeah. all this, yeah. and I appreciated that a lot. And I said, "Well, are all your kids here?" She goes, "Oh, my niece is coming." later today but I can't be here and I said I'm gonna be here I said what's her name she told me and I said I will personally look out for her and make sure she gets in you know she was wonderful she gave me a huge hug and uh and her niece showed up I said hi my name is Shipbride I'm a Fulbright professor at the University of Bahamas your aunt said I should look out for you and with that she kind of rolled her eyes (laughs) and said "I, I really should get a picture of us uh, so I can send her so she knows you're getting on the plane. <laughs> I roll again. But then when I pulled the camera up, she turned on that beautiful Bahamian smile and, and gave yeah. a quick smile. Yeah. And she said, thank you. Yeah. But I loved her T-shirt. It said, thick in the thighs and short on the pa- and thin on the patience. <laughs> <laughs> she had a great funny. sense of humor. That's funny. Anyway. But you did. So you saw all the students off. And, and so this was, I mean... This was just it was it was a brief moment in time, if you will, but it it was a huge impact for those students. And like I was so impressed with how quickly you got things rolling for all those students, and and then you were there to see it through and mm-hmm. watch every last one of them get on the plane and make sure they got there. And then on the other end, Hampton University gave them an amazing welcome. Oh yeah, when they stepped off the plane, uh, wherever, whatever, Virginia airport, Beach, Virginia I think. Beach, like, didn't they have a band? Yeah, they had the marching band came. It was awesome. They had such a great welcome 
Um, after having gone through the devastation of a Category 5 hurricane, where again, you're wondering if you're going to live your life, um, live to see another day, to uh, within you know, a week stories. later, getting a welcome band's welcome. Yeah. Like, that was so wonderful. Yeah. That was a, that's you know, a great we'll, story. We'll wrap this part up here, but I did want to say one last thing was at the at the airport, President Rodney Smith showed up and Maria, I don't have permission to use her last name, but Maria was there. But Rodney Smith led, uh, she was with Acad- a Dean of Academic Affairs. Rodney Smith got all the stu- some of the students together in a circle and led them in prayer, thanking them for this opportunity, thanking that they're safe and sound. And, you know, here is the President University seeing off these kids. And I just, I said to him, I said, you know, uh, President Smith, that, that was a class act, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's, yeah. he's a nice guy. And, yeah, he's uh, he a classy guy. Yeah. He is a class act. So very good on you, uh, President Smith. He did a yeah. great job yeah. there. It meant a lot to the kids. I was impressed. So yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> All right, so we're gonna stop here, uh, and we're gonna pick up after this as we try to figure out where Holly goes next with World Central Kitchen. What the heck am I gonna do? Thanks, everybody, for listening in on another edition of Brightcast by Shipbright. And uh, with Holly by my side, helping shed some light of our experiences while we were down in the Bahamas. And we're starting to get back to life a little bit more on an even keel, but we're also heading into the holiday season. We'll talk about that. Continuing work of uh, World Central Kitchen and uh, some other national issues in the Bahamas that kind of surfaced after Dorian hit. So... Thank you for being here. If you're enjoying it, please let your friends know. Subscribe, if you will. We are glad you're here and welcome aboard.